0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. Once again, I have the great pleasure of chatting with an old friend, Ryan Atkins. Mr. Ryan Atkins, who today is having a birthday and m- most recently has become a married man, married to Lindsay Webster. Congratulations on your wedding and happy birthday, my friend.
1: Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's nice to talk to you, Richard.
0: It's been a while. You know, we were going to connect at Monterey and I don't know what the hell happened. You you went off one way, I went off the other. And to, truth be told, I left early. I got out of there. So, but I would like to have been able to connect yeah. with you. You had a great race.
1: Yeah, no worries. Uh, so it's hard to connect with people at races sometimes. There's so many people around, and uh, unless you kind of have a designated meeting spot to cross paths.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I and I I should have took that for granted, but. Uh, it is what it is. You had a great race. You beat my boy Hunter. Um, I was <laughs> I was really disappointed to see that happen, but you know it is what it is, right? Yeah. It was a good race. I mean, and you you took him out again recently, right? Where was that? Palmerton.
1: Yeah, yeah. Palmerton was uh, I guess last two weekends
0: ago. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I got some interesting questions for you, but I'm going to save my questions to the very end because. I promised some folks on social media that I would address some questions that they had for you, and if you're game, I'd like to be able to run those by you. All
1: right, nice.
0: Okay, first of all, you got some birthday wishes. Um, Chris Cowell said that he would like me to wish you happy birthday from us, and I don't know what us is unless he's got a mouse in his pocket, but uh, (laughs) he says happy birthday. Uh, There's a bunch of interesting questions, but this one's pretty good. Uh and I don't even know whether you know these folks or not, so but I'm gonna give you the name and you can contend with it as you like. But got a gentleman by the name of Anthony Middleton. Do you know him?
1: Okay.
0: Do you know him? Yeah. Okay. So he yeah. says <laughs> he says, Ask Ryan Atkins which character he would be if he was a Marvel Avenger.
1: Ooh. A Marvel Avenger, eh? Yep. A tough one. Um I don't know. I think uh I think Thor is pretty cool and he's got the the long the blonde hair so uh <laughs> it might end up being Thor or um
0: Okay you go with Thor I I was,
1: Yeah let's go with Thor.
0: <laughs> okay, that's a good one. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something like um uh, what's the guy that's all orange and shit? The 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 rocky looking thing? Anyway. Orange. Orange yeah, yeah. You know the guy that uh, he—he looks like he's a, a pile of rocks. Uh, I oh, uh, I forgot
1: the his thing name. Yeah, the thing—the
0: thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I thought you'd say that, but I did. <laughs> okay, then I got another fellow by the name of Miles Keller, and he says, "Ask." Okay. He says, "Ask Ryan." Is there any race that intimidates him, or any obstacle that makes him nervous?
1: Um, I think as far as races that intimidate me, it's probably, uh, shorter races I find the most intimidating just because, um, the shorter the race, the kind of, uh, greater the, um, penalty is for making a mistake and coming back from that. And, um, so yeah, I find like anything under 45 minutes to be like an intimidating length, as far as obstacles, um, I think every obstacle that has, like, a potential for failure is intimidating because you just never know if you're going to kind of slip and mess up and, um, you know, either have to do thirty burpees or have to redo the obstacle or something because a lot of these races are pretty tight, so uh, one little mess up on something you've done 100 times could cost you a race, so, uh, but I try not to lose uh, me, and just um, take some confidence into each obstacle and go for it.
0: Okay. Good answer. Real good answer. <laughs> All right. So, and then um, a fellow by the name of Robert Herrera, he asks okay. if you would ever do an endurance event like Sisu, Iron, or Spartan Agogi.
1: Um. Yeah, I would. I mean, I've done the. I won the Spartan winter death race uh a few years ago. I think it was the last death race they had winter death race they had in twenty fourteen and I had a lot of fun there um For me, it was kind of like a you an know, experience it sort of thing um, as far as ultra endurance events, I'm more inspired by just doing really uh big um objectives like in the in the mountains whether it's like uh, traverses or link-ups or things like that, things that are, you know, as long as a SISU or, um, you know, a, a GOGI type event, but where it's just um, it's not an organized formal event. It's more uh, more just you and a partner um, in a beautiful setting trying to do something cool. Oh. So that, to me, is a bit more. Yeah, to me, it speaks to me a little bit more than the um, things that you kind of sign up for. But, uh, yeah, I like to try everything at least once, so why
0: not? Okay. There's another fellow by the name of Cody Higgs. Actually, Cody's been out to see me before. He lives in around the Nashville, Tennessee area. And he's got a bunch of questions, and and some of them might be a little redundant, but we'll try to weed through them a little bit. So the first one he says, he goes, how do you make uh, the rigs look so easy?
1: Um. I think for me the rig is something that I've kind of refined my technique on, but uh, basically it's a combination of just having good uh, grip strength and then um, just also having the confidence to swing and skip implements because you can really save a lot of uh, energy by not having to hang on every little thing and um, just getting through it as quickly as you can.
0: Okay. And and then this is he says, uh, what's it feel like being a big guy dusting little guys? A big
1: guy dusting <laughs> little guys. <laughs> I don't think I've done really any dusting lately. Um <laughs> every time I've won a race in uh against like a very fierce group of competitors and it's always been a battle to the bitter end. But um I don't know, yeah, it's always it it I it probably feels good to beat some of the smaller guys um, just because it's something that I've always kind of had um, issues with just from my mountain biking background. I was always a bit more muscular than the people I competed against. And it's always, you know, it's always been a bit of a handicap for myself in, you know, in space sports. So it's really refreshing to to have courses that are um, having enough strength-based obstacles and challenges that I'm able to use my strength to overcome, you know, my inability to keep up some of these guys on the steep uphill climbs.
0: Yeah. Now, he's got a couple other questions, but there, there's so much uh, in line with uh, the earlier question that I think we're going to skip them. Um, and now, this is kind of interesting. There's a, a fellow by the name of Eugene Strong. And again, okay. again, yeah. I don't know if you know these guys or not, but he goes, hey, Ryan, this was a debate before, and a few people I've met at races have discussed this particular question. Since you are designing courses and having a part in the layout of the Battle Frog, is there unusually is there what's, is it, okay? So it says, is there usually a boundary or limit to where you decide you feel it is a disadvantage to other racers? So I'm trying to understand the question. Yeah, I understand. Okay. And then he says, I know this has been squashed before, but was just curious to hear more about it from you. And where do you personally draw the line? This is also directed to people who design the course and run it as well. And he said, happy birthday too.
1: <laughs> cool. So, um, yeah, this subject is something that I'm kind of thought on quite a bit because, um, I mean, there is definitely the potential for a conflict of interest there. Uh, I think the kind of main arguments that I kind of always come back to would be that um, I would never design a rig or, an, like, an obstacle where it's, you know, going to decide the outcome of the race, like, for sure, and just design it in a way that, you know, only I could do it, so... Um, for example, in Toronto, someone else designed both the rigs and I didn't see either of them until the morning of the race or their layout. So, I mean, I wasn't really at an advantage there. Um, I think the other side of things is that people like, I have, uh, kind of a duty to design a course for, for people to enjoy. It's my it's my job to design a course that only I can do, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So um, I've only, my first and foremost, and I guess this is kind of more speaking to like a, a, a perspective and um, like a point of view, I say, opinion, but I've always tried to design courses that have been um, first and foremost like things that everyone will have a good time on and that will suit the greatest kind of bell curve of people to enjoy. And obviously, I think I lie at one end of that bell curve, and I think that some of the other people who lie at another end of the bell curve that we have to just say, okay, like, we can't necessarily appeal to those numbers. But the, the middle part of the bell curve where you have the most people trying to get the most enjoyment, that's where I've always tried to design courses for. And I guess people just have to kind of take my word for that because I have never even come close to designing a course for myself because if I did that, I could very easily design a course where I could have, you know, a 20, 30-minute lead on the next person. And it would be very obvious, and I would never try to do that. And um, finally, my like oh point of view is that, you know, when you're when you're working set up for these events, you're on your feet for 10, 12 hours a day, you know, marking course, setting things up, puffing with builds, <laughs> it's like by the time the race rolls around, you're pretty much exhausted, you haven't really set up the train properly all week, and um, you're smoked, so it's pretty much the worst operation you could possibly have for a race. So any slight advantage you might have of knowing the course knowing, you know, a left hand and then a right hand, and um, I think is more than offset by the fatigue you accrue uh, coming into the race.
0: That's a really but, good yeah, point. those
1: are three points. <laughs>
0: that's a really good point. Uh, you know, I guess that's something that people aren't even considering, is that if you're out there humping that thing the day before, week before, you're beat down by the time it comes to yeah. race. You probably don't even want to look at the course anymore. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. That that uh, that takes care of the the questions from the social media. Now, you ready for the good ones? Okay. Ooh. <laughs> These are mine. <laughs> yeah. These are mine. <laughs> all right. So now right. Th- we're going to try to play devil's advocate here for a minute. And I appreciate right. it if you feel like it's stepping stepping too deeply into your business, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Here's my question. I even wrote it down. I want you to step outside yourself. I want you to put on your coaching hat and tell me what you think it's going to take for Hunter McIntyre to beat you at Spartan World Championships. So let me be clear on the question. Let's just say that you decided you are no longer going to race, but there's a guy just like you that's going to be racing. Now you're a coach. You're an independent coach. You're a mercenary and Hunter McIntyre comes up to you and says, "Look, what do I need to do to beat this guy at World Championships? Where would you take it?"
1: Um, I think that for well, for for anybody trying to do well at, an event, I think my advice would be pretty much the same. Um, you need to identify exactly what it's going to take from a physiological standpoint in order to achieve, uh, like, the metric of success. And um, I had this conversation with someone um, just last weekend where I was telling them that for, I guess the way I can best explain what I would say to Hunter would be just, um, yeah, when I told this person. And I said that, when I was preparing for the 2014 Spartan World Championships, um, my anticipation or uh, intuition was that it would be similar to the 2013 Spartan World Championships. And Hobie Call won that race in a time of about 233 234. So I said, okay. I looked at the elevation profile for the race. I looked at how many odds there were. And I looked at approximately how long each obstacle would take. And um, I went and I recreated a workout at a ski hill where I did the same number of – the same distance, the same number of feet climbed and descended, and the same number of mock obstacles, which would, you know, which could be, you know, doing 30 burpees or it could be a 100-yard swim or it could be jumping over a six-foot fence five times, like whatever it was stimulate an obstacle and I did this for um until I hit the right numbers and when I finished my time was three hours and 22 minutes and so I said okay uh in that I think that if a similar athlete to Hobie shows up in 2014 that I will and with similar fitness that I'll beat them by about 10 minutes and so I ended up that course in three hours and I think 23 to four minutes, so I was a couple minutes off, but John Alvin came out of nowhere and blew me out of the water, well, by a minute or so, so that was something that I couldn't prepare for, but I think that once you take into account, and I mean, Tahoe's at elevation, so you you would need to take that into account too, but if you can get as much information as you can, and we do have information on Last year's Tahoe race, and then re- replicate those factors. And then, if you can hit those numbers in a training session, then I think that provides the confidence and, um, you know, knowledge of how to push yourself to achieve that goal. And I mean, I think that I would tell Hunter to prepare to basically look at where you are now where you need exactly where you need to be on race day and then you need to develop a plan to move all your weaknesses up enough um to close that gap and for a lot of people that may not be feasible but for some people it is and so that's i mean that's how you would do it
0: that's a good answer it's a really good answer. Now, so what you're basically talking about, and incidentally, I've been toying with the idea of writing a book. And if you use this later, I'm going to find a way to sue you. But here it comes. <laughs> I call this challenge-specific training. You know, in sports science, they talk about sports specificity. And essentially what you're discussing is sports specificity, where you, you're basically analyzing the challenge and you're trying to mimic the challenge as best you can in order to, you know, very summarily break down the barriers and, and come out ahead and know and have the confidence to know that you have the capability of doing it. And so I refer yeah. to this as challenge-specific. And the reason I, I use that term is because in OCR there are so many variables. There's so many different types of things that you have to contend with that I thought it would be more interesting to refer to it as challenge-specific. And so, as you suggested, there's things that you're incapable of doing well and things that you're very good at, and you want to try to break down the things that you're weakest at and then, you know, summarily improve upon them. And so I think it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. But So my next question to you is, uh, in a situation like that, in your situation, how often did you employ this type of training? I'm assuming that you had – dedicated training where there was days that you were you're focusing on your running days you're focusing on your grip strength and what have you and then there was the days where you try to put it all together under those circumstances how often did you do it how many times did you do it in the course of training
1: um well yeah i test myself every two or three weeks with um with simple kind of uh, just general fitness type tests and those are usually either like uh Five kilometer time trial or a, a hill climb that I can go and do easily and repeatably. Um, so those give me pretty good markers, but then I also um, would do, you know, those um, specific tests probably twice a season total um, because they are really tiring and um, they take a lot out of you and right now, you know, I do race a lot, so a lot of those big efforts are saved for racing and not for um, testing. But okay. uh, yeah, I'd say about twice a season, maybe once every two and a half, two two months, two and a half months.
0: Yeah, it's a well thought out answer, and I was only kidding about the lo- lawsuit thing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next question I have for you is uh, going into the world's toughest mutter this year. There's a, it's a two man effort. I'm assuming that's going to be what you're after, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And is your partner John Alban?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so the two of you guys are going to go out there and you're going to try to rack down 100 miles plus to make 100,000 bucks that day.
1: Mhm.
0: I guess my first question is, you pretty confident that you guys can bust out that 100 miles? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to be confident.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean,
1: I I think I think that belief plays a massive uh part in um Outcome and, and the way you can push your body to, so yeah, I think we can do it totally.
0: Well, I would see that the the advantage that you guys have is that you've raced together so many times that you you're there's no trepidation in respect to which other is going to perform or be capable of. And I find that the breakdown seems to be in these team efforts is that you never really know what to expect from the people that you're racing with especially when the dynamic was bigger, like four people on a team. Um, I, I appreciate that they brought it down to two. I think it's it becomes more reasonable proposition as opposed to trying to get four people across the line in 100 miles. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So the two of you guys are in it. So my next question in that respect is, who do you think is going to pose the biggest threat?
1: Um, I don't think anybody's going to pose the biggest threat. I think it's going to be – uh, either we can do it, or we won't. And I think that I think the way the rules are written is the first team to hit 100 miles. And I mean, I think if there's another team there pushing us, that it's only going to help us to achieve that goal. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: so Ryan, what I gather is that you're pretty confident that you and John Alban are going to smoke this world's toughest mud and come away with 100,000 bucks. And then I assume that you're going to take me to Vegas and we're going to spend a few days, smoke some big fat Cuban cigars and have a great old time, right?
1: That sounds pretty good to me. All
0: right. (laughs) So I've been wanting to talk to you about your training site. Last we spoke, you guys were just getting it off the ground. And I know you've had a chance to formulate the thing, get some interaction. So how's it going now? And tell me what's cooking with the training.
1: Yeah, so, um, it's going really well, um, uh, yeah, it's obstacle course dot training. uh, I think everybody who's, well, for the most part, everyone who's doing it seems to really be liking it and, um, seeing lots of really good results and stuff, so that's, uh, always encouraging to see, um, and basically I think the, the format that we chose, um, is probably somewhere between, you know, uh, our one-size-fits-all training plan and a personalized training plan. And, um, I don't know, I really, we all believe that it kind of um, reaches the the most people in the kind of the most effective way and cost-effective kind of way. So, uh, yeah, people seem to be digging it and it's going really well.
0: So a lot of it's video-based, right? You're doing instructional stuff with videos?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we've got a ton of videos. I think we've got, over two hundred videos um in the database and people uh people who um sign up get access to those videos and they can kind of go through and you know it could be anything from John explaining you know what uh interval is to um you know me taking through uh like a grip or strength based um workout so uh yeah, lots of different or you know matt explaining. I'm running posture, you know, things like that. So it's pretty, it's pretty
0: awesome. Oh, cool! That's great. Now, to turn the table here, just a moment, I, I have to give credit to to uh, Yancey Culp, and I wanna, I wanna wish him the best. You know, today he's going through surgery yeah. for colon cancer, and yeah. I, I just really want to give Poster a shout with out. Him. Uh, yeah, yeah. My God. Um, and so you guys basically are the two training kings out there at the moment and uh, I just wish the best for Yancey he's such a good guy I hate to see him going through this yeah but, I
1: never want to see anybody going
0: through that oh no man
1: such a great guy and he's got such a wonderful dude so I really hope he uh, if anyone can pull through it's, I think it'll be him
0: yeah I agree <laughs> with you alright so your day to day with uh, the coaching are you guys kind of like splitting this up Do you, how do you interact with these people
1: Um, so yeah, the, uh, the interaction that we kind of do, um, is mostly through, uh, the Facebook page. So we've got a Facebook, uh, group and so people can go on there who are members and just ask us questions. And then it's a really cool community because, um, you know, sometimes questions get asked that have been asked before or, um, community members can kind of pitch in and give their two cents or, um. Myself or John or Matt'll jump on there and kind of give our opinion as well, so it's uh yeah, it's really cool how that um has all been working, it's been really good and um but then yeah our main our main hope is that most of the questions get answered by the uh videos online and um you know the instruction given out there.
0: I need to get smarter you know with my coaching i'm I'm basically one on one i I have to I have to talk to people, or I shouldn't say have to. I get the pleasure of speaking with people <laughs> <laughs> when they have questions, and I deal with it through email. I deal with it through the phone. I deal with it through video, and it's pretty hands-on stuff the way I approach it. But uh, it's it's no easy task, is it? It's a lot of work.
1: No, no, and yeah, like you said, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to go for a run with you know every single one of these guys who, who do the training plan and chat with them for hours, but it's hard to spread yourself like that. So yep. um, yeah, the Internet kind of allows us uh, to reach a pretty pretty cool number.
0: Yeah, I so, bet. Yeah, it's great. so, So you've got, I'm assuming that you're going for the trifecta. You're looking at the uh, Spartan World Championships, World Championships, and World's Toughest Mudder. Boom, 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 right?
1: Yeah, doing them all. Yep. It's going to be fun.
0: Have you lost a race this year?
1: Um, yeah, Hobie beat me at the Battle Frog in Fall City. Wow. And I was second at the Sky Race as well. But other than those two... Um,
0: the Sky Race doesn't of, count. It <laughs> sure does. <laughs> no, no. That's that's outside the wheelhouse. That's just training. <laughs> We, I won't even look, don't even bring that up anymore, that was just, you know, it, it, you could just tell people I got second place in this running thing I did up in the mountains, just kind of leave it alone. Yeah, yeah, some, there's my some <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I, <laughs> one more time, I want you to give us the URL for your uh, coaching site.
1: All right, so it's obstaclecourse.training, and that's it.
0: Yep, Awesome. Well, you know, one day I'd like to get a look at that myself. I'm really curious to see what you guys are doing and how you do it, and uh, cool. I, I always wish you the best, and you owe me a beer, dude. The la- last time we... Right, we... Right, I do. <laughs> the <laughs> last time we were kind of connecting, we kind of got lost, and you know, somebody else had to buy me a beer, so
1: uh,
0: I'm leaving Seems it to on
1: keep you. It happening, yeah.
0: yeah. All right, so listen, best I'll of hold you... me to it. Yeah, I, will. I promise you, I will. Best to your wife, okay. and... Um, Stay healthy my friend. I'll be keeping tabs on you. And by the way, I'm going to be All tra- right, thanks I'm, I'm going to be trying really really hard to get my boy Hunter to kick your butt. Uh, you know, All right. because it's what That's I do, good. right? It's what I do. I got I got to try.
1: The more people the merrier.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it just helps you to bring your game up, right? <laughs> okay. All right, look. You have a wonderful day, man, and thank you so much for putting up All with me. Right, Take care, bud. It's
1: always a pleasure talking to you. Take care, man.
0: You too. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.